is tough, rewarding, fun, hectic, and everything in between. And every Monday, it starts all over again. This is a podcast for moms by a mom, where we'll discuss everything from parenting to families, entertainment to health and fitness, and much more. Welcome to Monday Moms with your host, Tara Gray. Welcome to Monday Moms. I'm Tara Gray, and my guest today is Andy Jeeks. He is the official spokesperson for Henrico County Public Schools, and he lives in Henrico County with his wife and three children. Thank you for joining me today, Andy. My pleasure, Tara. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing just fine, thanks. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Thank you. So let's just jump right into it. I would like to talk about the calendar school calendar, more specifically the King's Dominion law. So the law has just been repealed and that gives the state of Virginia the ability to start school before Labor Day. So just wondering what is Henrico County's position on that? What are some of the benefits, maybe some drawbacks of that? Also, will the upcoming fall calendar the all-important first day of school without be after Labor Day. All right. Well, I've been taking some notes, so I will address uh, all these questions <laughs> in the order they were received. Um, okay. So it, it's uh, slightly more nuanced than that, at least I think. And the, the law was repealed a year ago, but it's not as simple as that. You can't just repeal a law and then instantaneously change the calendar on people, especially not in a county mm-hmm. this big, without involving the community in a lengthier discussion. And so you also have to take into consideration that people make their plans a year or sometimes more than a year in advance. And so here's where we are today in in late February. We are already going to start school in September of 2020 at the usual time, the day after Labor Day in September 2020. So what we're starting to look at is the school year in September, or I should say the fall of 2021, about a year and a half from now. And before we do that, we're in the early stages of determining how we'd like to involve the community in that conversation. We'd like to share some options. In other words, here's what a school calendar a year and a half from now might look like if we start two weeks earlier than usual. But that might also involve ending two weeks earlier as well. We'd also show folks what the traditional calendar would look like in September of 2021 with starting school after Labor Day. It's not something where we just want to put out a press release and consider it a job well done. We'd like to involve the community in this conversation to sort of educate folks on what it means to change the calendar now that we have the flexibility to do so. And that's really what repealing the law allows. It gives local school systems like this one the flexibility to determine when school ends and when school begins. And prior to that, school systems did not have that flexibility unless you got a waiver. And a lot of school systems, especially those in the more rural, mountainous, or snowier areas of Virginia, did successfully apply for a waiver. And that's why they've been able to start before Labor Day for years. But the ones in the metro Richmond area never had that waiver. But now we have this newfound flexibility. It's just that before we move forward, we'd like to involve the community in sharing uh, informational materials and options. And so that's something I think folks can look forward to in the late winter, early spring. In other words, in the next month or two months from now. 
Um, some some pros and cons, uh, of course, are, are subjective. You ask 100 people, you might get 100 different opinions. But additional flexibility in the school calendar allows us to do things that we might not be able to do previously. We might be able to recognize more religious observances that are meaningful to the students and families of our school system. We might be able to construct more opportunities for professional learning and professional development, which is something our teachers tell us that they want. So we're not strictly confined to this window of time after Labor Day through mid-June. It gives us more flexibility year to year, depending on the nuances of where holidays fall in a given year, to construct a calendar that best meets the needs of our students and families and community as a whole. So right. there's probably some other questions that have since slipped my mind. So this is no. where I'll turn it back over to you and, and let me know where I can pick it up. No, that's great. That's um, probably all the information that I think going into the 2021 calendar that people probably would want to know and keep in the back of their mind. So with all that being said, and all that sounds great, do you uh, see any drawbacks? You know, that's, uh, again, the kind of thing where I, in a county this big, where there are 50,000 students and let's say nearly double that amount of parents and, and 300,000 people in the, in the county as a whole who are impacted one way or another by the school calendar, because you have to take into consideration summer camps and other businesses that rely on a teenage workforce in the summer. And, right. and so I think they would all have different points of view on drawbacks to a school calendar. I think it'll be incumbent upon the school system to start to get a handle on those so we can address them proactively when we take this discussion to the public. I mean, one thing in particular would be that if we started school prior to Labor Day in the year 2021, that would result in a one-time shortened summer break. Because you have to remember that next school year is going to end at the typical time, which is mid-June, right? And right. so... If school started earlier in the fall of 2021, that would mean a one-time occurrence of summer break being approximately two weeks shorter than folks are accustomed to. Now, year after year after year, spring uh, summer break then ends up being roughly the same length that folks are used to. But that, that's a one-time drawback that I can right. think of right now. But it's typical of our school system to, to work with the community to get an understanding of what the drawbacks are. Maybe there are some things that we haven't quite thought of, and it's important for us to take stock of that before we bring any recommendations to our school board for their ultimate approval. Right. Okay. That sounds, uh, that sounds like something that, I guess, in the future, the drawbacks um, would have to be a community, like you said, a community um, input. Um, you guys, well, yeah, we'd, um, like to, we'd like to hear what folks... Uh, you know, have to say on that. But at the same time, we think there are some advantages that include additional weeks of instruction in the late summer, early fall, prior to any schedules, shakeups that might occur when snow falls in the winter, for example. Now, that clearly hasn't been right. that big of a deal here, but in future right. years, you might have six, seven or eight snow days. And if we're able to get additional weeks of instruction Earlier on in the year, keep in mind, we're right. not extending the school year, but we're shifting it earlier, then we think that's an advantage to our students. There's another advantage as it relates to AP testing, advanced placement. Now, granted, that doesn't impact all of our communities, certainly not the elementary age students at this time, but right. for high schoolers or those who are taking AP exams, those are given at a fixed point in time 
nationally, regardless of when your particular school starts. So our students would be at a better advantage if they had additional weeks of instruction prior to the fixed point in time that those exams are given. Now, again, that's a relatively small segment of our student population, but it's still relevant to those folks who have students who are, are taking those exams. So we point that out as well. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So speaking of snow and winter, fall quickly turns into winter. So let's talk yeah. snow for a second. <laughs> How early do you need to get up on snow days? I, I think uh, I usually set the alarm and we just did this, you know, last week when when all the school systems in the region were kind of on the cusp of maybe there being a snow day. And then it turned out not really to be a, a thing, and at least not in Henrico County. Um, right. Four o'clock in the morning is usually a pretty good wake up time for me because I try to take care of things I need to take care of, uh, you know, before sort of the work day starts at, let's say, 430 wow. Um, and, and so that's so I can be ready. I can be seated at, you know, at a desk at, at, at home. Um, and just at that moment, I'm typing out messages that I think we might need to use. I've been doing this more than seven years. So I think you start to get a, a sense of there are only so many options, right? You're, you're going to school right. or you're not going to school. You're delayed or you're not delayed. So I'll type up a couple of options that are connected to whatever the situation is. And then I will wait for a decision to be made. And that decision is ultimately made by our superintendent, Dr. Cashwell. Now, she's taking input from all sorts of places, including what we call the operations team. So those are the folks that clear sidewalks and pathways at schools, our transportation department that has uh, members of the team out driving the roads in cars early, early in the morning to get a sense of what the roads look like on our bus routes. And all that information is kind of being fed up to Dr. Cashwell, who simultaneously is conversing with other area superintendents. And again, this is all happening at, say, 4.30 or 5 in the morning. And she'll make a decision. She'll tell me what that decision is, and then I'm ready to announce it. Now, that's if it all happens early in the morning. Ideally, I would tell you that we try to make those determinations actually the night before to give people as much time as possible to make alternate plans. There's a lot of childcare arrangements and other things that have to happen that if we are reasonably certain that school is going to be impacted the next morning, well, then why not make that decision the night before? But exactly, it's not always that simple because in the case of last week, for example, there really wasn't anything coming down that night. And so the only question became like, what if anything would happen overnight that might create unsafe conditions for getting to school? And ultimately in Henrico County, with with caution being taken, we we believe that school could start safely and on time, which is what happened. I cannot believe four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's uh, still dark. Workday, but uh, you, you know that's I mean that's strictly based on the reality of the situation. We have elementary schools that get started a little after seven, which means we have bus drivers who are hitting the road probably right. an hour prior to that, if not earlier. And so the, the whole mechanisms of running a school system all begin very early in the day. And so that means the folks who are making the decision need to be up even earlier than that and, and need to be ready. And so, you know, that goes back to what I said about just having those messages prepared, because I'm not going to sit at home drinking a cup of coffee and then Dr. Cashwell delivers a decision. And, and now I got to start writing it. My job is to have the options already written out, use the one that we're going to go with and then enter it into our system, record the announcement, post things everywhere that it needs to be posted, 
um, and try to get that thing out within minutes of the actual decision being made. Okay. So what is the, I guess, so-called magic hour where if parents do not get that call, that it's mm-hmm. everything is on time, there is no uh, change? What is kind of, I guess, if you don't hear about yeah. certain time? I think it, it can fluctuate. And I would agree that there, in years past, I think there used to be that sort of magic hour where if you didn't hear anything, you just move on and, and get on with your right. day. My sense now is that people still need to hear from you directly one way or the other. So you, you got to let them off the hook, right? If if we know at five in the morning that we're going to have school and it's going to start on time, we, right. should, we should still announce it. If, and you can tell when it's a thing, right? In other words, if it's you a can. perfectly sunny day in the middle of May, you, you know that's not a thing. Everyone knows they're going to school the next morning and it's no big deal. But... When you watch weather forecasts for days in a row and everything's leading up to a certain night where you may or may not have a decision, I do think you need to let people off the hook directly instead of past practice years ago, which was just, if you don't hear from us, then we're going to school. Because my sense is that people still kind of wait for that word. So we think I we got to so. just let them off yes. the hook. So the, the magic hour really is as soon as we know we're putting out an announcement. And generally speaking, we try to do that as early as possible. If not the morning of, then certainly the evening before so people can plan for themselves. So that's a typical snow day. What is a typical day like for you? Yeah, the uh, the typical day is probably not nearly as exciting as it might look like on the Internet when uh, you know <laughs> people are making jokes about snow days or, you know, all the school <laughs> systems are doing amusing things on the Internet. Uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of different areas of responsibility in a communication shop for a, a large organization. I mean, we're a school system, but, you know, we've got something like 7,000 employees, 50,000 students, a parent population that's bigger than that. And ultimately, we answer to the taxpayers of Henrico County. So that's a, a huge area, too. So you've got all these different constituencies. And we work every day to make sure information is accurate, timely, and delivered to the audiences who want it in the way that they want it. So there are a number of different things you know, that I do to, to help make that happen. Um, Usually every day starts with kind of taking a look at what's in the news, either about us or about other school systems. You know, right away, okay. I'll know if I contributed to an article that might be appearing in the Henrico Citizen, for example, or another newspaper or any of the TV stations. We try to gather all those links together just so our our school board, our leadership and other folks within the organization just know what's out there in the local news media. We try to see what's out there about other school systems, too, because I think it's fair to say we all keep an eye on one another um, for a variety of issues. Just to see, you know, because what's relevant in Henrico is relevant in Chesterfield and Richmond and Hanover. We might be all different localities, but we're all really part of the same Richmond region. And people who work in Henrico live in Chesterfield and Hanover and vice versa. And so all these issues that might be in the news in a given day are, are relatable to folks in other areas or at least are somehow intertwined. So I try to take stock of what's what's out there in the news on a given day. That's usually first thing in the morning. There's always a, a variety of, of meetings to attend. Um, you know, the, I'm not a one-person communications unit. Thankfully, there are other folks here who help out a lot with some of the internal functions of a large organization, whether it's things that get posted to our website or meetings and special event planning to engage our stakeholders internally, but also our public externally. Um, I'm 
quite frequently involved in supporting our 72 individual schools in addressing things that happen during the day. And some of them might be full-blown crises. Others might be just small, short-term things that occur. And the, the school or the principal is looking for some communication advice, and I might be able to lend a hand with that. And so there's a the degree of each day that's planned out and predictable, and you try to stay true to your calendar. But then there's also a handful of days that, you know, you, you blow your calendar out of the water and something unexpected happens. And, and that's going to be what's important that day and perhaps for the foreseeable future. And so I, I kind of like that. Um, my background yeah. is in local TV news where it's it's very similar in that respect, where you go into work at a certain time and you think you know what the news is going to be. And then two hours later, something blows up metaphorically or literally blows up and, and that's what you're covering that day. And right. it's not exactly like that here at the school system, because I do think there's a little more predictability in terms of what issues are going to be relevant at a given point in time. But I do think someone in this position needs to be flexible and needs to constantly be mindful of in an organization this large, there's there are going to be days where you're not quite sure what's going to happen, and you have to uh, you know adjust yourself accordingly. And so I'm I, I feel like I'm frequently on standby either during the day or even at, at night or on the weekend for things that are important out there in the school community. And, and I'm I'm here as a resource for all of our schools to help them communicate effectively. So what I take away from that, and I think what all the listeners would take away from that, is there is really no typical day for you. <laughs> it doesn't sound like yeah, that. I, I, I would love, yeah, I would love it if there was a typical day. I'd, I'd probably get a lot of meetings done and a lot of emails out in a timely manner. But yeah, it's it's pretty. There. You know what, what's? Uh, I'm sure there's a figure of speech that uh, I'm going to mess up or that I'm looking for. But the the only thing that's predictable is unpredictability or something like that. It's not like that every day, but there are certainly a fair share of days like that. We'll have more of our conversation with Andy Jenks in a moment, but first a word from today's Monday Mom sponsor, the Henrico Citizen. The Citizen is Henrico's hometown news source since 2001 and available daily online at HenricoCitizen.com, where you also can sign up for our three times weekly email news update, the Henrico News Flash, and listen to our daily weekday podcast, the Henrico News Minute. Featuring news and event information you'll want to know. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date too, and for chances to win giveaways like Richmond Flying Squirrels tickets and restaurant gift cards. Online, on air, and in print, the Henrico Citizen is your source for everything Henrico. The other um, thing that I would like to bring up is some exciting news regarding buses in the future. Yeah. If you would like to share a little bit about that. For the first yeah. time, I don't know if this is something that you shared before, if you'd like to yeah, talk a little bit about um, that. It's been a relatively small part of our overall budget presentation thus far. Rest assured, there's going to be much more communication on this probably in the summer and as we get into the school year that begins in September of 2020. But we're in the early stages of obtaining an app that will allow all our parents to track their child's school bus in real time. And this is a thing that exists elsewhere in the region and, and throughout the country, and it's gaining in popularity, I think. Um, but we've, we put out the, what we call the request for proposal. It's basically part of the process to see what kind of options are out there, and ultimately we'll get the best one and uh, eventually share that with our parent community 
to allow them to do something that they haven't been able to do before, which is kind of like if you're if you're looking at the Uber app or the Lyft app on your phone, you're not requesting a school bus like that, of course, but you're able to track your child's bus in real time as it navigates its route from beginning to end. So it gives you a really good snapshot of just how right. close is the bus to your house or is it running behind? And if so, how far behind? These are all really important things to parents as they not only prepare their children for the school day, but prepare themselves for their own work day. Because for now, the the reality is that, yeah, buses do run late from time to time. And when they do, we try to get notification out. But technology has evolved to the point where we can actually do better than telling you that your child's bus is going to be late. We can tell you it's going to be X amount of minutes late because it's right here at this intersection. And so we're very interested in that technology. We think our parents, we we know our parents want it. We think they'll benefit from it very much. And once we obtain the product that we're going to use and test it and make sure our staff is adequately trained on it, then you'll see us begin to publicize this to our student households for our parents to download and benefit from right away. That sounds great. I know, I know a lot of parents and caregivers will probably definitely want to hear more information about that. And I, I can assume that most, the majority of the parents would definitely want to, um, take advantage of that. That seems like a great resource for the county. It's a really good example of a school system responding to what parents tell us that they want. And this isn't just some, idea that we woke up with in the middle of the night and thought, you know what, this would be a good thing to have. It's, it's, I mean, there's part of it is that, but it's also part that our, our parents in the community are tuned into this kind of technology. They know it exists. And so it's a matter of how do we make that happen here in Henrico County? And of course, it, you can't just snap your fingers and then, you know, spend X amount of thousands of dollars. There's a process that needs to go through and funding needs to be sure. identified. And I'm not sure the audience really feels like being bored to tears with those kind of details, but we're, <laughs> we're in the middle of that process. We're going to get there. And we're, we're, we'll be excited when the day comes that we finally get to publicize that to the parent community. Sounds great. Well, thank you for that. Um, one last thing before we say goodbye. If you would like yeah. to share just one random off-the-wall fact or duty that is required of you that we may not know about or didn't learn today. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, one thing that's very important to me and to the folks here in the communications department is that whether people know it or not, we really try to be in the business of doing good things for other people. We've, we've created these platforms, these, you know, Twitter accounts, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, that have pretty big audiences, at least as far as local government entities go. And we try to use those platforms to tell the positive stories about students and teachers and schools in general that might not otherwise get out there um, if it weren't for these platforms. And so every every year, and we talked about winter a few minutes ago, like people are tuned into our stuff because they want to see if we're going to close school or not. But right. we get a big audience for that. And a lot of eyeballs are on all of our accounts and other communication platforms. But we love taking that a step further because, you know, at the end of the day, a snow day really only impacts us four or five times a year, sometimes not even that much, Right. So if we can now capture the attention of these big audiences that we have and let them know that a student won an award or a teacher accomplished this with her classmates or a school was able to involve a community partner in improving a playground somehow. I mean, these are all just examples. 
we really enjoy and take pride in individual shout outs, um, telling people things they might not otherwise know. I mean, they're not the types of stories that are front page of the newspaper or going to lead to six o'clock news or anything like that. But all school systems have the ability to do this now. Whereas let's say about 10 years ago, um, Facebook and Twitter really had not caught on in the local government world yet. It certainly existed right. out there in the parent community. Uh, I mean, most folks in, of my vintage have probably had Facebook pages for nine <laughs> or 10 years at this point. But I think there was some skepticism in the workplace about the value that social media could have. And I mean, you might remember 10 years ago, it was like, stop wasting time on Facebook. Now, 10 years yes. later, it's like, we got to get it up on Facebook, right? We've got the right. huge audience of parents out there. And so not every announcement we do is some big, huge story. Sometimes it's just bringing a smile to a kid's face um, or bringing a smile to a family's face or a, a classroom or a teacher, whatever the case may be. We're just really interested in finding those little things that happen every single day in our school right. system and letting the community know that you got some really cool things happening here and some really amazing accomplishments and tremendous people and again, it's nothing new. This stuff has been happening for years, but we just right. love being able to find those things and to raise the level of awareness and let folks know that good things are happening in Henrico County Schools. And that would mean, obviously, taking part in social media and sharing, um, like you said, you know, whether yeah. it's a story yeah. at, a, at a school or that's great. I love that. And, you know, one thing we discovered years ago is that it's okay to to have a good time on social media. I mean, again, right. we're the adults and you got to act like it, but it's okay to be friendly and to develop, a, you know, a casual conversations on your social media channels. I mean, ultimately, I think people know that there are actual living human beings behind a Facebook page <laughs> or a Instagram page or a Twitter account or anything like that. You right. don't have to be this bureaucracy all the time. I mean, there's... There's a time for lightheartedness and there's a time for seriousness. And, and I think anyone who's good at a job like this will be able to distinguish between the two. But right. there are also plenty of opportunities to be friendly and warm and to really just be a, a really good cheerleader for the positive things that are happening here. Connecting the community, which is really, truly what yeah. it's all about, right? That's right. Well, thank you, Andy, so much for taking some time to be a part of Monday Moms. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, no, I, a lot I, of good information. Thank you so much. Thank, so thank much. you very much. And I, I would love to come back again sometime soon. I, I appreciate this opportunity so much. Thank you, Andy. I learned a lot, and I hope the listeners did too. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Monday Moms is a production of T3 Media, LLC, and the Henrico Citizen. New episodes appear every Monday on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today. For more sponsorship information, email Tara Gray at tara at henricocitizen.com.